The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. Oh, we praise Him. We want us to look today at Joshua, chapter 8, chapter 7, Joshua 7. If you all get the A award on your verses, I'm so proud. Joshua 7, the defeat of Ai. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of God burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and he spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said, Oh, don't let the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not worry all, weary all the people, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, and they chased them from the gates as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. The hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes, and he fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. And he and the leaders of Israel, they put dust on their foreheads, and Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all, to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us, and we will be cut off, and your name will be cut off from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you die thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things and have stolen and have deceived, and they have put them among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they had become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you any more unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because, tomorrow, for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you get rid of the accursed thing from the, among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought among according to your tribes, and it shall be the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come according to households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire and all that he has, because he has sinned. Uh, transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. 
So Joshua rose early in the morning and he brought Israel by tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the tribe, the clan of Judah and he took the family of the Zerhites and he brought the family of the Zerhites man by man and Zabdi was taken and he brought his household man by man and Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. I, when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them, and there they are hidden in the earth in the middle of my tent with the silver under it. And Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was hidden in the tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and they laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And he brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire, and they stoned them with stones. After they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. And the Lord turned from his fierce anger, and the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Oh, dear Jesus, these are hard sayings, and who can hear them? And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come and open the bread of life to our hearts. And that, Holy Spirit, you might come and go heart to heart, seat by seat, woman to woman. And you might lay bare our souls before you, Jesus. That we might have squeaky clean hearts today. And there might not be anything hidden in our tents, under the floorboards, that would keep us from God's best and would damn and destroy those we love. Jesus we pray that you would come in the next few minutes and you would anoint your word you promised to anoint your word and that it would be like a fire that would burn through our souls and it would divide our separate truth from error lies that we've believed for a hundred years and you would come and set your people free and that truly we would sanctify our hearts before you today you would cleanse and purify and make us holy make us women after God's own heart in the name of the Father we pray in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And we bind the evil one in all his treachery. And we release in the name of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, to come, O Holy Spirit, and do today what needs to be done. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. In your name, amen. This is a difficult passage of scripture, but a tremendous passage of scripture. And I think it is incredibly apropos today. Remember last week what we talked about? We talked about Jericho and the tremendous way that God worked to let the walls come down. And the people, how did they go around Jericho? They marched around Jericho for seven days, once a day. And the seventh day, they marched around seven times. They did it in silence. And then they gave a shout, and the walls came down. Now, if you and I marched around Jericho, 
without the presence and power of the eternal God, the walls would have not come down. And it is interesting that you have chapter 6, and it ends that God was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the whole country. But let's look here at chapter 7. We get a key to something not being quite right, because how does the chapter start? But... (laughs) And the children of Israel committed a trespass. And so the author of Joshua gives an overview of what had, actu- what had happened that no one knew about at the time. And he said there was a trespass committed and that Achan had taken something that had been devoted to God. And it tells, how does it describe Achan? Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. Do you know why? Because God does not see you and I in isolation. God sees us in relationship. First of all, in relationship to him and then relationship to one another. That's the incredible breakdown of American society today. We see ourselves as individuals. My right to my own life, my right to my own body, my right to my own meanness. And God does not see us like this. He says, let me tell you who Achan is. He is, and he goes back three generations. So that when he sees you and when he sees me, he does not see us in isolation. He sees you as the daughter of Elsie. He sees you as the granddaughter of Anna Blake. He sees you as the great-granddaughter of Catherine Sachs Blake. He sees me in a, in, not in isolation, but in relationship. And that what occurs in one, the choices you make And the choices that I make are not made in isolation. And the implications of your moral choices and my moral choices have far-reaching effects that reach to the generations yet to come. And God says, I want to deal with sin very definitely, very decidedly, and very completely. Do you know what the cursed thing stands for? This is a word used 81 times as a noun in Hebrew. It's the word harem. And it's used 51 times in the Old Testament as a verb form. It is an incredibly strong word in Scripture, and it means something that is devoted to God, that is consecrated, that is given over to Him, that is, that is, and something that needs to be destroyed, that is a curse that needs to be destroyed. And God is saying here that there are things that have to be destroyed in your life and in my life. And if we are to be set free and to be all that God created us to be. And so why did God have it that they were to go into the promised land? They've been 40 years on the backside of the desert. They get to Jericho, this incredible city. How long had it been since they'd seen one? And then God says, I don't want you to touch anything in there. It is devoted to me. And the silver and the gold is to go into my a treasury and for the work of God and the rest of it you are to burn up. There's to be nothing left. And do you know what I think he's establishing here? God is God. The same thing he established in the second chapter of Genesis when he said there's one day a week that's my day. And it is you are to give it to me and it is a symbol that I am Lord of time and I'm to be Lord of your time. It's the same idea as we have in the tithe. I am Lord of all, and I am Lord of your finances, and they are not your finances. I am the God of finances, and I'm to have a tenth of your finances because it is a symbol that I am Lord of all. And when you and I give him the tenth at the beginning of the month, it is an indication of his lordship in our life that we are trusting him for the whole month, and we are not working things out on our own. 
And he says, I want to have, as we go into the promised land, you can have all the loot from all the other cities, but the first city, I want you to give to me. And I want all of it as a symbol of my lordship in your life. And do you know what? That's what he's saying to you and I today. He said, I want all of you. Why? Because God's cruel and mean? No. Just the opposite. Because he knows that sin gets in our souls and it damns and destroys us and eats us up like cancer. And we cannot have any bit of it in our life. That's why the plea of scripture is sanctify yourselves, sanctify yourselves. Get yourself into a place of surrender to me and under my lordship so that holiness of heart is your meat and drink and my presence in your life is your meat and drink so that there's a holy life and that the cancer, the stronghold that the devil wants to get into your soul to damn and destroy you he cannot get because you are so clean and so nestled into the heart of God and it says here Achan took of the accursed thing Achan had something in his heart and in his tent that belonged to God do you do I now Joshua didn't know this so we have this tremendous victory at Jericho and what is the response of Joshua and the leadership of Israel? I think they blew it. First of all, what does he do? Do they have a thank you Jesus party that we made it? There's not a single thank you. It's like, wow. Not even look what God did through us. But it's, wow. Ai is just a little city. We don't need to send out all the troops for that. Look what we did with Jericho. And there's a self-confidence that moves in after a major spiritual victory, the likes of which no one in the world has ever experienced before or since, that God alone did. And yet, in chapter 7, we have them not even consulting God, not even thanking God, and they look at the next city and say, oh, we don't need to send out all the troops. They don't thank him. They, do, they take confidence in themselves, and they do not even pray about it. There's a self-confidence in their lives. There's a lack of gratitude in their lives for what God has done. And there's a prayerlessness in their lives. So they look at the situation and they started out to go into the promised land, living and walking in the spirit. And they get to the next city and they immediately start in the flesh. Wow. And do you know what I think that happens over and over again when we come to Wilmore? Many of us come to Wilmore. We have left Oskaloosa, Alabama, we've left Texas, we've left India, we've left Florida, we've come from all over, and we end up in Wilmore, and we, during those days to get here, we had to walk in the Spirit. It's hard to sell your house and say goodbye to your grandparents and uproot the kids. And so you've left all to follow him. You and I end up in Wilmore. And the minute we get in Wilmore, God provides a place. Your husband gets in class. And then it's easy to say, well, we did that all right. Now, now how are we going to care for ourselves now that we're here? And we move it immediately switch into a gear of self-control and independence from God. 
Now, we don't even realize that we're still here getting trained for spiritual ministry, but we've moved out of those days of walking in the Spirit and watching the walls fall down and knowing that God did it. And we've moved into where we walk in and say, well, look how God, instead of look how God's led, look what we've done to get ourselves here. And what we start in the Spirit, we move into the flesh. And so they don't even consult God. They send out 3,000 people and they go to Ai. And they are immediately routed. And 36 people die. And what does the word say happens to the people of Israel? What is their response to this defeat? Their hearts melt. And then what does Joshua do? He goes to prayer. In fact, he goes to serious prayer. He tears his clothes. The elders put sackcloth on their head and they stretch out before God until the evening. And then, poor God. What does he say? Oh, Lord God, you brought your people over the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites. Look what you've done. Why didn't we stay in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Look what's happened. Look how we're just failing. How did you bring us here? Look at the mess we're in. It's all your fault, God. And what are the folks back home going to say? Well, those kids were just foolish, and here we thought we were starting out with you, and look how you've just let us down. And do you know we start out in the Spirit many times? I know I have. And then we think, ah, well, I can do this. And we turn and move into the flesh so quickly. And then when the Lord lets it splatter all over, then we come back and say, Jesus, this is all your fault, and you blew it, and you've made a mess out of my life, and I'm just angry. And it's not his fault at all. If Joshua had started the chapter the way he ends the chapter, he would have heard from God that there was sin in the camp, and he would have heard from God that there, he needed to do something differently. And he could have gotten his battle plan from God for AI. And 36 men would have lived. And I think God is saying to us before you and I do anything, we need to seek his face. And some of us have had spiritual victories in our life. God is working. There are Jerichos that are coming down in marriages, in families, in personal lives. Jesus is working. And we need to beware that we do not begin in the spirit and then move into the flesh. But when he's working, say, praise you, Jesus, you're working. That Jesus, let me continue in the spirit and not move into the flesh. But let me walk in the spirit with you and be dependent on you, Jesus Christ, dependent every single moment of every single day so we get down here and Jesus says to God says to him Joshua get up there's a time to pray and a time to obey remember my illustration of when God told me to witness to Peggy my neighbor and he I went to prayer and he said don't pray just take those dirty clothes back over there and tell her about me obey This is not a time to pray. It's a time to obey. And so the Lord says to him, Joshua, get up. There is sin in the camp, and you need to deal with it. 
And then God gives him a way to deal with it. And he said, your enemies will not, you will not be able to stand before your enemies because unless your heart is sanctified, sanctify yourselves. The children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turn their backs because they had become doomed to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. I will, because t for tomorrow. So he's saying his presence cannot abide in your life and in my life if there is an accursed thing that we are hiding in our tent. And we are foolish if we think we can go with Jesus and coddle sin underneath the floorboards of our heart and think, oh, nobody knows. Nobody, nobody knows. That's what Achan thought. Nobody knew. And at the end of it, every single person in the whole, all of Israel knew. And what we do in secret is declared on the housetops. Sin is not done with the doing. Sin is only the beginning when it's done. And the ramifications go on and on and on. And the only thing that can stop the ramifications of sin in your life and in my life are that precious verse, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. There is no sin that His blood cannot cleanse, but the only thing that deals with sin is the blood of Jesus. And if sin is committed 25 years ago, it needs to be dealt with in confession and in godly sorrow that leads to repentance, and it needs to be dealt with in the blood of Jesus applied. That is the only thing that brings freedom. The only thing. Otherwise, you and I live with the guilt and the burden of that deep in our hearts, and it will never go away. The consequences will go on in eternity. God cries out to us today, deal with sin in your life and in my life. Deal with what we're hiding in Achan's tent. What is under the floorboard of your soul and my soul? The incredible thing to me is what he stole. He stole beautiful garments, gold and silver. And do you know what? This week that's come very clear to me because there is something in my heart that has Achan's, Achan's tendencies in it. Do you know what that's symbolic of? The good life, power, prestige. You don't have to depend upon God if you know underneath the floorboard I've got a bar of gold and 200 shekels and a beautiful garment. Because those are all symbols thousands of years later and in our society as well as theirs of what it means to be a success. If I have the symbols of success, isn't it money? Isn't it beautiful clothes? And isn't it something stashed away in the bank in my security? And God says, that's not where it is. It is in me, in myself, in God alone that's our security. And you and I need to come to the place that we say, Lord, you are our security. And when our hearts go like Achan's and we're drawn and say, 40 years I've been in the desert. I deserve this. I owe it to myself. And Lord, I've got five kids and they've got braces coming on. And what are we going to do? And it's just nobody will ever know. I'll just take these three things. No one will ever know, but it'll give me a little security for down the road. 
And God says, no, I want all of you and I alone can be your security. And you need to come to the place where you are not drawn away as Achan was, but your heart is clean. Now, do you know the incredible thing about Jesus is God does this, what God does before a lesson in my own life? Because do you know what? <laughs> and Al was teasing me this morning. I, we had company this week. And, and, um, and I ended up taking my company in a very precious way to town. Because Al's mama comes and she doesn't shop anymore in Atlanta and she likes to shop here. So she waits and gets things here. So I ended up Wednesday afternoon in town Thursday morning in town, Friday morning in town. Innocent places, Lazarus, McAlpins, Dawhairs, Talbots. And do you know what I found out by Friday afternoon and Saturday morning? I didn't, I just felt angry. And I thought, well, I just wish we had more money because then I could just, and I just, I sure am tired of this house and I just sure do if we only and do you know what I had spent three days gay and then I got so grumpy I sat down in my chair and the audacity let me just sit <laughs> I got I got a new devotional book by Ed Ernie from OMS the day was like that on which we gaze and the scripture was but we all with unveiled face beholding as if in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his glory, the same image of his glory by the spirit of the Lord. And the little thing said, what we gaze on is what we become like. And do you know how when I had spent three days looking at beautiful clothes, Beautiful things, beautiful people, you know how they are in those models. You know, you go in and you always feel like you're frumpy as can be. And I just thought, and you just think, oh, why, you know. And do you know what? I sat there and God said, you've been gazing at the wrong thing, Elizabeth Coppich. You have, and I said, you know what? And my heart just began to be like Aiken's. And I picked up to do Bible study, and what hit me? Beautiful clothes, silver, gold. And do you know what? I think that may be the biggest temptation in the life of full-time Christian workers. And do you know what the secret is to keep us from losing our ardor and our passion and our direction? Gazing on Him. <laughs> Feeding our souls on Him. Looking to Him so that we don't get sidetracked this way or that way and say, well, I need to just work a little harder so I don't look quite as dumpy or I don't need, I can get this or I can get that. And then God gave me an illustration the next day. You know how God does it. Did any of you ever have Aiken's heart in your heart? Say, Lord, I just deserve better than this, don't I? I'm just serving you full time. He says, wait a minute, you're gazing on the wrong thing. He said, Let, let's have you gaze at me. And then what do you see? 
Jesus his way. His death, his resurrection for a broken world. I, I got a tape, and it was Mary uh, Taylor Privet, the great-granddaughter of Hudson Taylor, and she had two tapes. And I had revival in my soul Monday. Everything hidden in the innermost recesses of our souls that's not pleasing to you. And let what's in our in, under our tent floor be Jesus, and more of Jesus, and more of Jesus. Okay.